Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church by Senior Pastor Mike DeBenke. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. But pray for me, and uh, let's see what God has to say today. Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that that's the rock that we stand on. We build our life on the truth that you've given us. And Father, we declare victory in each and every one of our lives, that we're able to be the salt that this world needs so desperately. We're able to be the light that shines through the darkness that leads them to your son, Jesus Christ. We're able to become fishers of men so that your kingdom would be expanded and souls would miss hell. Father, we ask this, we declare, we have focus today. We have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive everything you have for us. And by faith, we will be better when we leave than when we got here, because you're here with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So what we're doing is we're looking at a portion of what's called the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher that's ever preached, Jesus Christ. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, and he covers so much in this sermon. It takes up three chapters of Matthew, but we're looking at one part. We're looking at Matthew starting in chapter 5 and uh, verse 13, but I want to just establish something of what happens in verse 1 through 12 as he begins this, this sermon. He had just gathered his disciples. He had prepared them and told them, all right, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And then he takes them to a place where he, he starts this incredible teaching to give them understanding. And if you're like me, I'm very analytical. I, I got, when I, all my whole life, my dad will attest to this, I would take things apart because I had to know how they worked. I want to know how they worked, and I want to know why we need them to work. So I went back and I looked, and I found out that um, as Jesus is teaching what's called the Beatitudes, you've probably heard that term if you've been around church very long at all, and it's, it's, a, it's a set of scriptures where he talks about, you know, blessed are the pure hearted, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And what happens is a lot of Christians without understanding of Bible interpretation, they look at those things and they start thinking, oh, I've got to mourn. I've got to, I've, I've got to be pure. I, I, I've got to, you know, and they think they have to do these beatitudes. That's not what's being said here. And this sets us up for the part we're looking at. What's happening is he's describing with these these things he's listing, these spiritual states that the gospel actually creates in people's lives. If you're mourning because of Jesus and what he's made available, you're going to be comforted. If, if you're pure in heart because of what Jesus has done, it's now going to be magnified in a way that everybody around you can see it. So it actually creates these, these spiritual states in our lives as the gospel is released. Amen? And it all talks about Christian, you know, it, it's kind of helping us build our Christian character. You know, character is important, right? You know, what is character? It's integrity. You know, what is integrity? Integrity, we get the word integrity from the word integrated. 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 Anyway, um, and what that means is that um, the public you is the same as the private you. The you that's at work is the same you that's at home. 
The way you treat your wife at church is the same way you treat her when there's nobody around. The way that you focus and develop your kids is the same way you act like you do when you're at church. <laughs> what it, see, integrated means that everything's the same. So for us, it, it's very important. We have good Christian character when our private us is the same as our public us. Now, I don't know about you, but I've struggled with that many times in life where I realize, mm, you know what? I'm not holding myself to the same standard in the comfort of my own home, the way I interact with my kids, as I am when I walk in. Hi, brother. Jesus is awesome. Yes. Isn't Jesus wonder? You know, I got that church thing, and then I got that home thing where I might, you know, snap at, at the, not anymore, but when the kids were little and stuff, and I didn't really represent I didn't have an integrated life. And ultimately, I didn't really have the Christian character that I wanted to have. And what Jesus is trying to show us through these Beatitudes is there's a right way to be. And it's where the real you is the real you. Make sense? And then he goes into verse 13. And this is why we're here. And he switches from character to influence. Every one of us have influence. They say the most introverted person in the world will have 10,000 contacts in their life. Contacts with other people, interactions with other people. We all have influence, and what Jesus is trying to do is to see that we should value the influence we have and leverage it for other people. In the Beatitudes, you learn how much God loves you, and you learn that God Almighty, creator of all things, wants to have a personal and intimate relationship with you through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's awesome news. Great scripture you shared, by the way. Perfect. Um, but then the second lesson, which most Christians don't get, and it just flies right by, is that God wants to use you to impact other people's lives. And a matter of fact, He wants you to represent Him. He doesn't want you to be Jesus, because you can't be, but you can reflect His values. You can reflect his love. You can reflect his empathy. Right? And what he wants us to see is that he not only wants us to do this, he's telling us to do it. He's not only telling us to do it, his old plan for the world counts on us doing it. We are to be tools in the master's hand. We're not, there's no, there's no um, you know, on the field, in the game, Christians, and then on the bench, Christians. That, what God wants to do through His church, He wants to do through His whole church, means each and every one of us who call Jesus Christ Lord. Does that make sense? So, we're going to look at this, and, and we're going to look at salt and light. I'm going to share a little bit about salt. Pastor Don did a great job, um, but there's some things where they're tied together, and I want you to see the why. Because when I find out the why, that's what gives me motivation. That's what gets me excited about go ahead. Because it's not convenient to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It kind of gets in the way sometimes when you got those selfish moments. And you're like, I don't want to care about anybody right now. God's like, <clears throat> salt, light. <sighs> Can I just, you know, turn on Oprah and, well, not Oprah anymore. Boy, what's a new one? I don't know. I don't watch TV that much. Uh, oh, I know one. Uh, uh, no, that's not one either. <laughs> Let's make a deal. Is that one? That's still one, yeah. Just to kill time, tune out the world, become self-absorbed, and hope that somebody wins. 
But God said, you know what? You never get to shut your light off. You never get to stop being salty. And we're going to see why. Because it's not a burden. It's actually an adventure. It's actually a declaration. You know, like when Jesus said, you are the salt of the world, or the earth, you are the light of the world. He didn't say, you, you get to decide or you get to pick. It's not like the disciples got together and say, hey, Jesus, you know what? We voted. It was seven to five, and we want to be salt. It didn't happen. You know, people say, well, I don't want to be. Doesn't matter. It's just like people, when I, when I talk to them, Donna and I have done a lot of marriage counseling over the years and relationship counseling, and we sit down and talk to people, and we tell them that, well, God says that the husband is the head of the house. And some people, well, I don't like that. We're going to vote on that. And I'm like, it's okay. You, you can vote. It doesn't change anything. <laughs> the husband's still the head of the house, whether you like it or not, because that's what God said. You know, he can either be a good head or a bad head, but he's the head. And, you know, you can either be good salt or bad salt, but you're the salt. You're the salt that the world so desperately needs. Amen? You are the light of the world. And it's very important for us to understand that so that we get a... Why, why, why? I double-checked. You were working perfect. Okay, Nicole. First time back. I double-checked it. I had it perfect. I think Donna broke it. But anyway... As we look at being salt and light... Some people resist this because they don't feel like they're the one to let their light shine. They don't feel like they're the one to bring the gospel into a situation that would be healing, preserving, and add life to it. Well, that's not my personality. God didn't ask you about your personality. As a matter of fact, he made you. And in the very process of making you, he gave you the capacity to be salt and light. Amen? So you just have to own it. You just have to say exactly what Jesus said before he went to the cross. Hey, Dad, if, if there's any other way. So maybe you're shy, maybe you're introverted, and you say, you know, I don't want to do this. Jesus said, if there's any other way, I don't want to go to the cross. But then he followed up with, nevertheless, it's not about what I want. It's about what you want. And thank God he went ahead and went to the cross. He went ahead and he, you're the best. Aren't daughter-in-laws awesome? And if you're online, sorry, we had technical difficulty. But welcome. Amen. So we're talking about salt and light. And, and you know, if you think about it, salt and light are like the base elements of our life. There's something that's, that they're in every part of our life. I mean, we all have salt at home, right? If you don't have salt, you're probably weird to be honest with you, but, um, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of salt. There's, we got the new fancy pink Himalayan salt. We got kosher salt. We got sea salt. We got Morton salt. I mean, we got salt coming out the ears. We got all kinds of salt and light. We have light everywhere. We have light on our phone. How many have a flashlight on your phone? Come on, let's show it. No, I'm just kidding. But we have light on our phone. Some people have lights on their key rings. They have lights in their house. They have light. Yeah, you got lights on shoes, but they have lights where it lights up, changes color, dims down. I mean, we got lights galore. So what Jesus is going to do, he's going to talk to us about something that we're all very comfortable with. 
something that's in every one of our lives. Something that's really kind of simple, but at the same time, Jesus is going to show us how it could be very deep. Now, a lot of people think this. They think that, oh, no, Pastor, I don't want simple. I want the deep. Give me the deep. I need the deep of the word. You don't understand that simple is deep. Jesus was one of the, he was the best teacher of all time. But every time he taught, he did it in a very simple way. But it was impacting to the people around him in a very deep way. Some people think it has to be complicated or convoluted or, you know, difficult to understand for it to be deep. Matter of fact, if they don't understand, they go, boy, that was deep. No, it was wasted time. I know preachers who, they want to impress you with their long and big words and their theological dissertations and all this stuff. But if you don't get what we're saying, it's a waste of time. I'm not here to impress you. I'm not here to intimidate you with my Bible knowledge. I'm here to help you understand that God will meet you right where you are. And he'll get you everything you need to get to a better place. That's simple, but it's deep. What deep is means that it, it, it's impacting, it's touching in multiple levels of our life. It means that when you hear something deep, it, it, it makes you think about, you know, your family. It makes me think about how that impacts me, about how I act at work. It makes me think about, you know, how, what's my future going to look? When it's deep, it, it touches on multiple levels. That's what deep means. And Jesus is going to take some very simple things, but if we'll let him, he's going to reveal to us some very deep truths that can impact our lives, which leads us to help and change the world for other people. Is that good news? So, you know, we got light. Go outside, there's that big ball of light out there. It's got its own power. It's called the sun, right? It's just, it's just there's, this stuff is all around us. Um, John Calvin, a very famous preacher, said this. He said, I study so hard to be simple. He works very hard to be simple. That's what we do. I have a rule for the people who preach in our church. Make it simple. Make it well, it's relevant, but applicable to the people that are sitting in the chairs, the people that are watching online. We don't need to try to talk over people's head to make them think we're more spiritual than we are. We need to let people know we're real. And God is really in love with you, and he will really show up wherever you are in a way that will make you better. Right? So, um, uh, William Tyndale, the guy who uh, first translated the Bible, said this. He says, I want to translate the Bible, the Bible in English. He said, I want to translate the Bible where a 14-year-old plowboy can understand it. Do you know that the, the, the average Bible translation today, it's still translated at a sixth grade reading level? Why? Because that's the way it was designed. The Greek, the koinonia, is designed for everybody to be able to understand and apply it to their lives. So as we look at this, I want you to be ready and expect for this to touch you, not because of me, but because of God, touch you in multiple parts of your life. And that's where you're going to find that it's deep and it's going to, it's going to be life-changing. Amen? So as we look at this, and uh, I'm trying to cut a f at least an hour off here. <laughs> so we, we have to embrace the idea of being salt and light for us to be effective. And there's some pretty strong warnings in these scriptures from Jesus about not being effective as the salt and light. And he tells us not to demean us or to, to make us feel bad, to let us understand just how important it is. 
you being the salt, you being the light, is very important to God. It's very important. So he wants you to pay attention. He wants you to open up and let him lead you through this unfolding of, of why he has us as the salt and the light. Amen? We're going to go through four verses today. I'm going to touch on the salt just a little bit and then move on to light. But they kind of come together, and I want you to see that. In Matthew 5, 13, uh, starting in verse 13, we'll read through. But it's in the New Matthew Bible, and it says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost her saltiness, what can be salted with it? It is thereafter good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men hide or light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and then it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light, not your wife's light, not the preacher's light, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works Here's the motivation, and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Here's what he's saying. I want you to pay attention to this because it's, it's, it's really important that we get this, is that this is who we were created to be. And, 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 and so many people, they think that, you know, well, I'm just not into it. Or I'm not comfortable, you know, letting my light shine or sharing my faith or why I believe. I, I, I'm not comfortable, you know, keeping my life at a standard where I'm different than everybody else. You could see that I have different values, that I, I bring a different um, perspective to whatever situation I'm in because I, I hold Christ dear, you know. And, and, and they, they tell us, you know, I mean, I've had a lot of people tell me this, and they say, well, Pastor Mike, my faith is personal. Well, your faith has to be personal. You don't have it if it's not personal for you. It's individual. God so loved the world, but he loved each and every one of us in the world. But then they say this, they say, my faith is private. It's between me and God. And see, that's where we miss it. You were never designed to have private faith. The world's not impacted by private faith. People will miss heaven if we have private faith. And God so loved the world, as Nicole shared, that he, he gave his son so that we could be salt and light. And see, here's the, here's, the, here's the catch, is the light's not dependent on us. The, the salt, the influence, the preserving, the healing that God wants to do through us is not dependent on us. Who does the Bible say is the light of the world? Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. We're a reflection of his light. See, the way it works is the, the, you know, the sun shines under its own power. The moon that we see at night all lit up in the sky, it's not lit by its own power. It's a reflection of the sun. And see, all we're supposed to be is a reflection of Jesus. The people should know that we walk with Jesus to the point where they see him in our lives. They see him in our choices. They see him in the way we conduct ourselves. See, the thing is, um, the only time you can't see the light of the moon is during an eclipse. And what happens during eclipse? The world gets between the sun and the moon. And see, if we allow the world to get between us and Jesus, we're no longer salty. We're disconnected. We're, 
we're farther away than we should be. We're no longer reflecting light. And the world no longer has light. Because in the Greek, when he says, you are the salt and you are the light, it's very emphatic. It says, he's talking to followers, the one, those who've gathered with him. He says, you are the, the light, the only light the world has. You are the salt of the, the earth. The only, the only thing that brings preservation, healing, and life to this world is the body of Christ, us. Each one of us is Christians. That, that's all there is. There's, you know, Jesus isn't walking the streets. Angels aren't coming down and recruiting people to get saved. That's not happening. That's on us. We are the only salt of the earth. We are the only light of the world. And if we don't step up, the world's in bad shape. Because what does it tell us when he says, you're the salt of the earth? Well, that kind of gives us a description of the condition of the earth. It's not going so well. The earth, we know that society, that, that civilization always tends to go towards death, destruction. You know, and, and, and it, it decays. And the only thing that will stop that is the body of Christ. Every one of us being the salt that brings healing. It brings um, flavor and it brings pre pres uh, preservative or preserving powers to help people stay instead of falling to the de decay and the things that life on a natural course will take. We know that in our own life, right? I mean, how many of you have to work on your bad habits to get them set? We don't, I mean, they just show up. You guys raise your hand. Yeah, I'm really trying to get this bad habit to catch, you know? <laughs> I, I cuss every time I slam a door just so I can get that bad. No, no, we don't do that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to embarrass you, but no, I'm just kidding. But we don't work on our bad habits. What habits we have to work on? The good habits, the ones that lead to life, the ones that lead to victory, the ones that bring, that leads to us walking out the plan that God has. We have to work at those. But life by itself just kind of lends and, and goes towards that death, that decay, that destruction. We have to stand up and say, no. We're not giving up on the world. It's not, hey, I'm going to heaven. Why do I care about anybody else? That's not the heart of God. See, because the same love that he so loved us with that he gave his son, the Bible says that he shed that same love in our heart as his children. So now we all should have the same value of the world that he does. You say, well, I don't like certain people. That has nothing to do with it. God loves them and so should you. And let me just say this. I don't like what certain people do, but they're highly valued by God. And if I'm going to reflect his light, I got to love them too. Does that make sense? So it's very important that we understand the why, why we do this and, and what it means for us to be that. You know, we want to be the reflection of the sun, S-O-N, and, and let the world see the goodness of God through the way that we live our lives. What time is it? Oh my gosh, I am going to take an hour and a half. Again, this is my first time back in a while, so I want, I want to just say this, because Christians over throughout history have always kind of gotten filled up with themselves whenever God says, okay, you do this, and it's like, well, aren't I something? And a lot of times when God says we're the salt of the earth, we're the light of the world, we start thinking that we're better than people that don't have it or aren't the salt and light. And then as we do that, because our carnality tends to sneak out like everybody else's, we start looking down on them. Bunch of sinners. Look how they live, like animals. 
Instead of going out and loving them and, and showing up in their situation and let them know that God loves them as much as he does us. Like you said, God didn't look down and say, oh, yeah, forget it. I'm going to go create some new ones. Let's let those go to hell in a handbag. He didn't say that. He goes, you know what? I'm going to do everything that needs to be done to rescue every single person. And they're just as important now as we were. God didn't start saving people after you accepted Jesus. He just recruited one more to help other people get saved. That's why we don't get saved and go to heaven right away. Oh, that'd be pretty crazy, right? If you want to receive Jesus today, just uh, bow your head and close your eyes. Say this after me. Father, I just thank you that I received Jesus Christ. I believe in my heart and I speak with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Poof, we're gone. I wouldn't be too good for the people that's left, right? Because there's no light or no salt to show them. So we have a very important part to play here. And it's not because we're so wonderful. He didn't say that you're the light of the world because of your shining personality. Some of you would be disqualified. Nobody in here, but them other churches. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, he didn't say that you are the, 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 the salt of the earth because of your great intellectual ability, because of your moral purity. He didn't say any of that. He said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world because you're connected to Jesus. And that's it. And that kind of keeps us less of us, more of God type situation. And that's how the gospel really works. Amen? You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its saltiness, what can be salted with it? It thereafter is good for nothing, but it can be cast out and be trodden underfoot. Now, here's what this is talking about. And salt's a very unique thing. If you ever, there's actually a book on the New York Times bestseller, Salt, History of the World. And salt has a major part in every civilization throughout history. All kinds of stuff. Salt actually is very valuable. We actually get the word salary from the Latin word salt. Because, and when you say that person's worth their salt, that means they earned their salary. And salt actually used to be part of your salary. You're, you're, okay, here you go, you get this, you get this, and here's your portion of salt. So it's very valuable. It's not like that today. I mean, salt is nowhere near as, as valuable as it was. I mean, now you can even afford salt at Whole Foods. But, um, <laughs> but in, in the history of the world, it played such a big part. And what God is trying to show us is that something now that seems so small, so insignificant, can be very, very valuable. You know, 24 years ago, God put it in our heart to start Faith Family Church. There's 14 of us. I don't know how many people are in Palm Beach County, but there's a bunch. And God says, yeah, I need one more church there. And uh, go ahead, guys, 14 of us. It's just a tiny bit of salt on this huge situation. Doesn't seem very valuable. There's other churches. But do you know over 24 years, we've seen thousands of people accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? That's value. God adds value because people come in here and they hear the good news. Now, not everybody stays, but hey, as long as we get them into heaven, we'll have a reunion up there. You know, we're just about getting people in the presence of God so they can receive him as the son of God, as Lord and Savior. That's what it's about. And we try to present this in a way where it's simple, but it's clear. We don't condemn you. We don't judge you. We got a full-time job keeping ourselves in line, but we do want to show you a better way. I want to show you God loves you even if you're off the way and he'll help you get back. Amen. So we as a, a church, you know, it doesn't seem very valuable. But then when you start thinking about all the people that have been saved, it's like, wow, God's really done some powerful things through Faith Family Church. 
And we're blessed to be a part of what he's doing. And that's really what it means to be salt and light. To accept and be part of what God is doing in the world today. And let people see him through you. Now you may pick that up as a burden, but God says, no, I've called you to do it. And it should be something we're excited. It should be the adventure that he's called us to. Amen? And I don't have time to go into all the stuff about salt. I don't have time to go into anything, to be honest with you. But um, I want to look at light for a second. And let us kind of look at that. And then we'll go more into this because we could teach for weeks on each one of these. Um, and, and really kind of unpack it and let people know. But when, when we're not salty, that warning that Jesus talked about, I just want to say this. And you look at it and you say, well, why would he say that it's thrown out? It's good for nothing. We're the salt. But if we're not salty, we're good for nothing? And we should be thrown out and trampled underfoot? I mean, I don't know if you guys pick this up, but that's kind of harsh. <laughs> you know, that's like, whoa. But what he's saying is, and what most Bible um, um, interpreter not interpreters, but um, what's the word I'm thinking of? The people that write the, um, Con, you guys are supposed to be helping me. Huh? Theologians, most theologians. Uh, commentators, most Bible commentators. This is what they believe it means, and it makes sense when you look at it in the light of the gospel, is to be cast out, to be trodden underfoot, to be worthless and good for nothing. When it's talking about believers being the salt, what it's referring to is you're ineffective. You're not doing what you were created to do. Now, don't take this personally if that's you, but the actual Greek of that says you're a moron. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say it, (laughs) you know. But, and what it means is that you're not doing what you're created. This is your purpose. You're not doing what you're created. Look at, my wife's looking it up right now. <laughs> and I am not sliding her. But what, what happens is, it's like, it's the opposite of persecution, where you're persecuted for your faith. You know, when you, de- de- you know, declare you're a Christian and people treat you different or they treat you bad, that's persecution for your faith. This is the opposite It says that if you lose your saltiness, you're no longer presenting and and being a representative of Jesus where you bring healing and preservation and life to something. It's telling us the world will look at us as a Christian who doesn't have any influence for being a Christian. And basically, they're saying that you're worthless. You're no good to the world because you say you're a Christian, but you don't represent Christianity. And you're no good to the church because you've got it undercover. Some of you are so afraid that people find out you're a Christian that Jesus barely knows you're a Christian. You know? So have you told anybody? No. You know? And it, it's sad. Don't be in fear because somebody might think different of you or treat you different. Sorry, I got to tighten up here. <laughs> so weird. And you say, well... How, and it talks about losing its salty. I've got to cover this. It says, um, boy, if that praise and worship team wouldn't have gone so long, we'd be in good shape. Kidding. It says this, that you lose your saltiness. Now, here's a, here's a neat fact. Salt doesn't lose its saltiness. It's not like it wears out. There's salt still in the earth that's thousands and thousands, probably millions of years old, and still salty. Do you know how you can, quote, lose your saltiness, unquote? The only way the salt loses its saltiness is when it's diluted with other things. 
You take, you take an eight-ounce glass of water and put a cup of salt in, that's going to be really salty. You dump it in a 50-gallon barrel of water, you're not even going to know it's there. And what happens is we as believers, we allow our lives to be so diluted that Jesus doesn't really make a difference. And when he doesn't make a difference in our life, there's no hope that we can make a difference in somebody else's life. Does that make sense? So then it goes to, you are the light of the world. And I got to close in like three minutes. So you guys got to really buckle up here. And I'm sorry, it's my first time back, but I appreciate, I love you guys so much. Um, it says, a city on a hill can't be hid. Nobody lights a candle and puts it under a bushel. Now here's what it's talking about. And those of you who are online, this is for you too. And I'm not judging I'm just sharing with you what God is showing us in his word. There's a purpose for us to come together at church. The Bible says not to forsake the assembly. There's a reason why God has us come together. When he describes us as a city on a hill, what he's saying is when we all bring our lights together in one location, it lights up like a city on a hill that can't be hid. The world around us can't deny that we're here when we come together and God flows through us. It's like the, the Guitar Hotel in Fort Lauderdale. You ever go there at night? Man, that light on top goes all the way up. They can see it from space. When we gather together, everybody around can see who we are. They'll see the, the, the life and the, the, the power of God moving because we've come together. I know Internet's great, and you stay home if you have to. But if you don't have to, you should be in church. I'm just saying, because that's what bi the Bible says. Amen? Two of us. All right, three of us are more. Three people just shut off the internet. I ain't listening. To this. <laughs> but what happens is that when we come together, our light is magnified. Do you know a city on a hill with basic lights like lamps and lanterns? Do you know when it's up on a hill, it can be seen for several, like 50 to 100 miles. And sometimes because of the atmosphere, it can be seen for hundreds of miles from basic lights. That's what God wants us to do when we come together. The world won't be able to deny because light dispels darkness. And, and people will see through the darkness they may be trapped in because we've gathered and we're letting our light shine. And then he goes to its individual. It's not just about what we do at church. And he says this, and I really want to encourage the fathers here, is when you're at home, you let your light shine. Don't put a bushel on it. Don't put any shade that would stop your light from shining in your home. It's very important. It said that you, you can see... You, you, you can see the, um, the blessing of a father on the flourishing wives, on the flourishing, flourishing faces of his wife and children. It's very important how we let our light shine at home. People shouldn't see a different dad at church than they see at home. People should see your light and not see something in front of your face because you're looking at your iPad or your phone or you're staring at the TV all the time because you're teaching them how to walk with Jesus. And if they don't see you do it, why would they do it? It's so important for us to understand. Jesus is saying, this is what needs to happen publicly. But guys, this is what needs to happen privately in your own life. You need your light to shine because when you let it shine at home, everybody in the house gets to see the benefit of the light. And when we let our light shine, the Bible says the way that we let our light shine is not just by our faces. I can look at your faces. I can't see your faith. I can't look at you and say, oh, yeah, you're, boy, John, you really, you got some faith, you know. Jorge, no, I'm just kidding. 
So, now, I can't look at your faith and, face and see your faith. I can only see your faith by your actions and your words. That's what shows the world what's going on inside. And see, what he's telling us is don't take for granted what God's placed inside of you because the world desperately needs it. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And without us, the world's in trouble. It's now, now it's not a convenience thing or a, if I feel like a thing. It's a mandate from your creator that says, I need you to jump on board and let the people in your world see what you value, see who you worship, see what makes a difference in your life. Amen? So as the salt and as the light, there's an incredible mission for us to accomplish. And we don't have to be the Savior. We don't have to have everything right. We don't have to have all the answers. We just got to show them there's a difference, that we're different. And the Bible actually indicates that our difference, our distinction, is what will draw the lost to Jesus, is by us being different. Not weird, not being critical, not being judgmental, being alive, letting our light shine, letting the love of God flow through us. People are, are, are dying for that, and we have it. Amen? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that it's powerful. It's energizing. It gives us what we need to step up and step out so that all may know your son is Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're online, I ask you to do the same. Just don't pay attention to what the dog's doing or what the kids are doing. Just kind of give God just a minute here and just see if he won't speak to you. There's going to be two things that happen here if you let it. If you don't know Jesus, God's going to invite you in. He's going to say, come on. Today's the day of salvation. That's what he says in his word. If you know Jesus, but you know there's area of your life that you need to be more salty or you need to shine a little brighter, he's going to kind of point those out, but then he's going to encourage you that he'll help you get to where you're effective. We don't want to be a Christian moron. We want to, we want to be light and, and, and salt to change this world. And he's going to be there to help you through that. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you haven't made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, I want to encourage you to do that. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to know enough. You don't have to give enough. It has nothing to do with what you do, but everything to do with what Jesus was willing to do for you. And if you say, you know what, it's time. I, I need that. I, I, I realize I, I need Jesus in my life. Nobody else is looking around. We're not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come down front. This is between you and God. What I'm going to ask with everybody's head bowed and their eyes closed, if I'm talking to you and you want to pray the prayer of salvation with all of us, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so I can see. Because I pray for the people who raise their hands every week. When we get people to raise their hand, I see your hand. When we get people to raise their hand, I pray for them every week just that God would lead them. He would guide them. We're here, make ourselves available for you so that we make that an easy transition for you to learn to walk with God. If you're online and this is your first time, I encourage you, just go ahead and just lift your hand to Jesus and, and contact us on the website uh, or on Facebook and let us know and we'll get some material and some information to you. Amen? So if you raise your hand here today, if you raise your hand online, I'm going to ask everybody to say this with me. Father, today... It's my day. Your word said that if I believe in my heart 
and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ becomes my Savior. He literally comes and lives on the inside of me. He enables me through his divine grace to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world, to reflect your dear son to the lost who are in darkness. Thank you, Father. Right now, today, I accept Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook.